Since you enjoy this show, I thought I'd throw out there another podcast you might like. It's a show about the intersection of design, technology, and the creative process. It's the Design Better podcast. And in each episode, hosts Eli Woolery and Aaron Walter bring you conversations with inspiring creative thinkers like John Cleese and David Sedaris, people who bring design and technology together like Tony Fadal, co-inventor of the iPhone and the iPod. So far, some standout episodes for me have been when they talk to John Cleese of Monty Python about creativity. That is one of my favorite topics and one of my favorite people. Then also one of my favorite musicians, Tycho, about his creative process. And they talk with Seth Godin about how creativity is an act of generosity. I've always been fascinated by design, the creativity behind it, the implementation of it, both to improve our lives from a functionality and user interface standpoint, also from an artful bringing beauty into the world approach. So whether you're a design curious person like me or a design pro, Design Better is a great listen that inspires and informs. Subscribe to the Design Better podcast at designbetterpodcast.com or in your favorite podcast app like the one you're using right now. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. I'm your host, Eric Fisher, and this is the show where I talk to the people behind the productivity. This week, I'm excited to share with you a conversation I had with a great podcaster in his own right, Jeff Brown. He's the host, producer, and just all-around great guy who does the Read to Lead podcast. He's been doing that for many, many years now. Jeff is respected in the podcasting space, and for a long time, obviously, a podcast called Read to Lead would have been hounded by people saying, why don't you come out with a book? Well, he eventually did. He co-wrote one with Jesse Wisniewski. It's called Read to Lead. The subtitle is The Simple Habit That Expands Your Influence and Boosts Your Career. And in this conversation with Jeff, I talk with him about why reading is important to productivity, why reading is important to your career. Not only that, but tips on creating a reading habit if you can't seem to fit it in and techniques that can double and triple your reading speed and help you absorb more when you are reading. So if you've fallen off the reading bandwagon or if you are a reader but want to get better at it and really tap into the power of reading, enjoy this conversation with Jeff Brown. Well, this week, it is my privilege, finally, to have Jeff Brown on the podcast. Jeff, welcome to the show. Well, it's exciting to be here. You said finally. Boy, yes. I've been looking forward to this moment for a while. I had to write a book to get here, but that's it's more than worth it. Yeah, there you go. I mean, well, here's the thing. Like For a long time, I thought it makes sense eventually. And there's a lot of people, by the way, that it's like, oh, I definitely want to have you on. But it's like, yeah, but I got to figure out how. And you know what's the conversation that we put into the ether and lock in as the like the show that we did, you know? <laughs> and it finally made sense, not that it didn't already, but it now made more sense than ever because you've been doing the Read to Lead podcast for so long. In fact, if I'm not mistaken, when did you launch it? It was July of 2013. Okay, so almost a year after I started, somewhere in there. I started August 2012. And so 
you came along and just everybody loved you immediately. And it's, <laughs> it's, I'm being serious. Like everybody I know online, <laughs> you're so sickening <laughs> and you're so nice. You're so anyway, I just know everybody took to it immediately. And and you had me on at some point. I, I don't remember when that was 13, 14, somewhere in there. Yeah, It was real early, yeah. early days. It was when Jim Woods and I came out with our uh, ready aim fire ebook. And that was an awesome opportunity, but you've been doing it for so long. What was the impetus? Like, why did you start the show in the first place? I want to add some context here before we get into your book. Yeah. I kicked around for five years, the idea of doing a podcast. I first thought about it like in 2008, but uh, I was still working in radio at that time up until 2013. And I just had no idea what I would do a podcast about. What would people listen to me for? (laughs) It was kind of the way I, I thought about it. And I was driving home from my radio job one day, and I had been, at this point, a pretty avid reader for about 10 years. And I was checking on my goals kind of in my head and counting up the books I had read so far in the year. And it was like three months into the year, something like that. And I listened to a lot of audiobooks on my commute at that time. And I was like on book 10 or had just finished 10 and had 11 and 12 in the queue. And I knew I was going to finish those books by the end of March. And I thought to myself, wow, that's that's a book a week. And I, I didn't realize until that point that I was reading that regularly or reading books that often. I hadn't done the math. And when I said that to myself out loud in the car, that just spoke podcast to me. The podcasts I'd been consuming at that time uh, from 2007 until then, they were pretty much all weekly shows. And I thought of podcasts as weekly events. They're obviously not all weekly, but that's kind of how I looked at them. And so that, that sentence to me just screamed, there's that podcast idea you've been looking for. You're already doing this weekly anyway. Why not turn it into a podcast? You'll love talking about the books you're reading and nobody will talk to you about them <laughs> with you. <laughs> you need friends. And, uh, you know, and so that, that's a chance to do that. It's a chance to, to meet authors, which I, I love the idea of, Hey, free books. There's, <laughs> you know, there's, that's a possibility too. It was all about Jeff when I started actually. Uh, but, but no, I just, Got the idea and then drive home from the car and I started making plans. And in April, I did one thing. And then May, I worked on you know, like the equipment and then started scheduling interviews in June. And then July, I launched and been doing it ever since. Wow, man. And and so you've come up now on, what, eight years? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Congratulations, by the way. Thank no, you. Thank no you. small feat, by the way. <laughs> and you're, you're going on nine. Yeah, or- nine as of uh, a couple of weeks from now will be nine. Yeah. So next year I get I get to say 10 years, which is <laughs> insane. I'm already kind of saying almost 10 years is what, is what I kind of <laughs> say. So you've been doing the show for so long. You have a ton of great episodes, by the way. And people should definitely check that out. I'll link that up in the show notes. But the book then is also called read to lead. And, I, and I'm mm. curious, again, I said it was kind of a no brainer. Oh, of course, a podcast called read to lead would have a book <laughs> companion and or piece that that is birthed out of it. But talk about that, like talking to me about this book and the origin of the book, because I, it, again, it's a no brainer. But I guess some people would say, why did it take so long? I'm like, <laughs> I will frame it in a better way. Why now? Why is the book the right thing right now? Yeah, that's a great question. No one has asked me that question that way. And I love that you've, you've, you've pointed this out or pulled this out. I was asked for years doing the show. And in, in the early going, the first five years, like I can remember being asked all the time, hey, Jeff, when are you coming out with a book? And I would just hem and haul and be, oh, you know, <laughs> I don't know. Had no, no idea or thought about a book. Uh, just that whole idea just overwhelmed me. And just it seemed so daunting. And 
I actually, when I did get serious about three years ago, thinking about writing a book, I had some ideas for children's books, oddly enough. And that kind of went, you know, a few yards down, down the field. And that was about it. But about two years ago at this time, my co-author turns out, Jesse Wisniewski is his name. He reached out to me. I met him at a Jeff Goins conference. I know you've attended uh, Jeff's tribe conference. I I met Jesse uh, at the 2016 version, I think, which I had a chance to speak at. So I knew him vaguely, but he reached out to me and said, hey, let's get coffee. I've got this idea for a book and I want to talk to you about it. And Jesse's uh, book idea was called The Reader's Edge. And he had had a, a literary agent. They'd shopped it to various publishers and didn't get any takers. And the uh, one consistent bit of feedback he got was, you don't have a platform. And so in that the book's subject matter, Jesse knew was right up my alley, that I believe in intentional and consistent reading and and forming that habit and how powerful it is. He thought that maybe I might be interested in co-authoring a book because I did have a platform. I had the Read to Lead podcast. And so I, a few months later, signed with his agent. Uh, We redid the proposal and the marketing plan, adding my stuff in, you know, and writing a few writing samples of my own and that sort of thing. And Eric, I can remember sitting at this very desk I'm at right now, and I've got a Michael Hyatt book over here called The Vision Driven Leader. I've got Grant Baldwin's The Successful Speaker and a book by a lady named Kate Crocco called Think Like a Boss. And these are all books uh, from authors I'm going to have on the show soon. And I noticed that all three books were on Baker Books. And I remember thinking to myself, and this is as the, the book's being shopped and we're waiting to see if anybody's going to jump on it. I remember thinking to myself, all Baker Books would be cool. I have a lot of respect for the authors they publish. And two days later, we heard from one publisher, just one, that's all you need, and it was Baker Books. And so through the course of events, you know, the publisher recommended and we agreed to change the name uh, to Read to Lead. From what we, in fact, I think we even submitted it as Read to Lead, now that I think about it. But we just had a different subtitle. So they came up with what I feel is a far better uh, subtitle. So we went with that. And, and that's, that's the origin story of, of how the book came together. Uh, so had it not been for Jesse, it probably never would have happened. I had the one thing he didn't have, and that was, that was a platform. Yeah, man. And, and again, that audacity to think, oh, well, uh, somebody else is already out there and done something, you know, when you're, which applies to many people when it comes to podcasting as well. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, I don't need to start a show because what have I got to say that somebody else hasn't already <laughs> said or said right. better? Or, well, it's up to you to say, come out and say it different and yeah, or, yeah. you know, it'll identify, it'll it'll resonate, in, in other words, with somebody that way. That's why I thought this is a perfect time then to, to have a conversation mm-hmm. with you. In fact, I was already thinking, I was already going to have you on. And then you said, man, I had somebody cancel that it was you know, that I was going to be interviewed by. And I'm like, well, psh, now let's just go ahead and do this. <laughs> so, uh, well, let's say that the name of the book is, again, it's Read to Lead. And the subtitle now not the original one, is the simple habit that expands your influence and boosts your career. And I got to say, actually, you don't know this, but there was a point in time where in college, reading reading is huge to me, and here's why. Mm. There was an interim point in time where I'd gone to college for a year and I took a semester off. And so then through a summer and a fall before I went back, I started devouring books mm. and I'm including audiobooks here because I was sure. listening to the entire thing and I didn't have like super speed because it was in a cassette tape at the time. <laughs> so it was still the time put in and I was pulling out lots of stuff, although probably would have pulled out more using some of the tips that you have in this book foreshadowing. And then 
it hit me throughout that whole summer and then fall. And then I went back, I had been keeping count and I read in from May through to like January 1st or 2nd or something, 106 books. Oh, wow. And I, I brag about that as a number, yeah. but that is not something I've ever hit ever again. And yet mm. I know that it's possible for a lot of people out there to do way more reading than they're currently doing. But they, they probably feel much like me and others that one, they can't read as much as they want to because there's always so many books, right? That's there's, mm. there's never ending yet again. We're talking about a book that's about to come out. This one mm. it's like, there's a never ending avalanche of books, right? First mm. off, number two, they don't know how to get the most out of a book. Three, they don't know how to optimize. In other words, they can't, they don't habitualize it. They don't think of it that way. Yeah. So we're going to make this really cool. Let's foreshadow here. Let me name a couple of things here real quick. Mm. Number one, I want to make it easier for people to read. I want to go into some of the maybe speed reading and habit forming techniques that you've got, as well as some of the retention techniques that you've got. But I want to, before that, convince anybody that one, they have the time to read, but moreover, the motivation needs to be there based on the power of reading. So let's talk about that first. When anybody asks me, Eric, you know, how do I find the time to read or how do you find the time to read? One of the things I ask them first is, well, are you scheduling your, your time to read? And often the answer is no, or they look at me like I'm crazy, like who does that? I'm a big believer, though some might say that's the worst productivity advice I've ever received. <laughs> I'm a big <laughs> believer in what, what gets scheduled gets done. You know, to quote our mutual friend, Michael Hyatt, who I think is famous for, for saying that. As a protege of Michael's, I work, you know, in the sort of ideal week world. And uh, that's how my week begins. I identify what the ideal is going to look like. I don't often hit it, but that's where I start. And part of that ideal for me, even before I was a podcaster interviewing authors and having to do an interview every Friday and get ready for it and read the book, I was reading books on a regular basis. And so to make sure that happens and continues to happen because I consider it so important, I carve out time to read and, and count that time and consider that time and handle that time just as if it's any other appointment like this one we're in right now or other meeting. And so it's protected. And so if someone comes to me and asks for time with me and that time they want to meet or whatever happens to conflict with time I've otherwise set aside to read, I can still say yes but I, I, I believe that my default should be no. And if I'm going to say yes, I better be ready to defend that yes to myself versus what we often do. And that's, as my friend Garland Vance likes to say, is we often default to yes. And if we do say no, we try to defend no to the other person. <laughs> so I think it needs to be the other way around. So it starts for me with scheduling time to read. And so every morning I've got at least a half hour set aside to read. And then there are other times throughout the week where I've carved out time in my schedule to read. That time's focus time. I put on a pair of noise-canceling headphones. I connect to Focus at Will app or uh, the Adagio app, which allows you to select classical music based on your mood. I have that piped in my ears. And I'll do the, you know, the Pomodoro technique where I read for 25 minutes nonstop or 50 minutes and then take a break and then go back to what I've read after having read it and, and take more, more copious notes to kind of better retain and, and comprehend. But those are some of the tricks I use, you know, scheduling my reading time, always having the, the next book in queue is another thing. You know, oftentimes I can start a book, get a couple of chapters in and go, you know what? This is just not doing it for me right now. I want to go into the next book. That's going to happen to you. And you need to have, when you start one book, have your next book, know what your next book's going to be 
so that once you finish the book you're on, which may happen faster than you realize, you've got the next one uh, ready to go. And uh, the last thing I would share with regard to helping make it a habit is as you're learning new things, as, as certain things are hitting you in the book you're reading, share those things on social media, ask others for their input. And what that'll do is that'll start conversations about what you're reading. It's almost like uh, an impromptu book club, if you will. That will spur you on to read more because I'm willing to bet you'll enjoy those conversations that begin happening in social media about what you're, what you're reading. Still searching for a great candidate for your company? Don't search, just match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch that busy work. Instead, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. I wish I had Indeed when I was in the hiring process in roles in the past because it is a slow, arduous headache of a process to find the right people or at least it used to be, join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to find and hire great talent fast. In fact, in the minute I've been talking to you, 23 hires were made on Indeed, according to Indeed data worldwide. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash to-do list. Just go to Indeed.com slash to-do list right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash to-do list. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What you're sharing is key. And I I love, one, the time blocking because Mm. that kind of protects the time. You know, again, I love that you recalled what gets scheduled gets done by Michael (laughs) Hyatt. I think it's definitely him that said that for sure. (laughs) I love having time blocks in my schedule for that. I love that reading in in my house to, well, for some of us, I, I, we, we're, I'm trying to move it more towards a habit for all of us, mm-hmm. but for my, my son specifically, it's like, nope, even if it's a really late bedtime, he's like, I got to read. And mm-hmm. so he will. And that's when I'll do mine as well. But that's like the default bare minimum. I want to do more than that. So mm-hmm. that's when the scheduling it in comes into play or shifting of time where it's not Netflix time, it's book time and and mm-hmm. so on. And one of the other things that I found is that often, instead of playing with your phone, picking up the book, we talk about making reading a habit. Well, swapping out some of our bad habits for good habits like that, <laughs> you know, that'll make a huge difference. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing. Remember how I, I talked about, I read, you know, what was it? 106 books. For me, the power of reading became apparent throughout that time. I don't know that I internalized everything that I was reading and not all of it probably Mm. should be because some of it was for entertainment's sake and some of it was, you know, like I read a couple of different comedians books (laughs) and it's like, there's not (laughs) a lot to take away from there, especially when they're not like autobiographical in any way. It's just, you know, it's more like they're telling stories. Not that there's anything wrong Mm. with that, but ultimately I'm getting at the power of reading comes through Entering into a dialogue that the author has created, that's kind of my take on it. It's opening up yourself and your mind to either new thoughts or new approaches to thoughts you were already aware of. But for me, even if I wasn't fully retaining as much as I could have from all of those 106 books, I know that I was a different person from having read all of them. 
that it made me a better person in so many different ways. It opened up my mind. It got me interested in new things. It gave me new things to, you know, new rabbit trail to chase down in a good way and not as a distraction, but as like research and justified even. What have been some of the biggest things that you've found in terms of the power of reading and the ability for it to create change, especially in like, you know, your career? Because I know that you direct people that basically you've got to read like your career depends on it. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the productivity hack is that there's a huge amount of change that can happen in your life through reading and then acting out or taking that information out and using it down the road. It may not even be right away, but it'll be in capturing it now and engaging with it now and ongoing. Speak to that, speak to the power of reading, and then let's pivot over to maybe some of the better ways to engage and retain information from the books. Yeah, good stuff. And I want to just uh, emphasize something you said earlier: reading, and especially you know, reading nonfiction and, and books you might otherwise feel like now I've got to go out and implement these five things. Now that I've read this, there is nothing wrong with reading simply for how it's going to impact your thinking. And so I encourage you in that. And I know you said you read those 106 books and it wasn't like you were, you know, making to-do lists after having read every one. And that's okay. Sometimes it's just to, to read it for how it's going to impact the way we think and the way we view life. I am a sort of a perfect example, I think, of how reading can impact one's career. Virtually everyone I've talked to, people such as yourself who've, who've made reading successfully a habit, can share similar stories. For me, in my career, when I first started uh, reading voraciously, uh, I was still in radio. And I, I can remember about five years into this process, it's around 2007, 2008, and social media is starting to kind of, you know, become a little bit more ubiquitous. And I was reading books on social media marketing and social media in general and trying to figure out how is this going to impact the radio industry, this thing that we do? How can we leverage these, these tools? I want to learn about these things. Well, I found out very quickly that among all the stations across the country that the company I worked for owned, I was one of the very few people that was doing this. And, and as I began reading these different techniques and best practices, I began executing and implementing what I was learning. Now, some of the things honestly did not work. They failed, but I found that those failures were quickly forgotten. The things that did work ended up getting me noticed in very positive ways to the point, Eric, that you know, I was beginning to be asked to, well, Jeff, you've got this down seemingly, so we need you to speak to the entire sales force across the country about implementing social media. Jeff, we need you to speak to the entire programming team about what you're doing at your station that they can can learn from. And that led to then going to the corporate office and speaking to the executive board about the direction I thought the company should go, you know, my input on, I mean, it's, it's crazy stuff to the point that when the president of the company finally put his, he called it at the time, it was around 2010 now, his 2020 vision, his vision for the company for the next 10 years, I was the guy he asked to come and help him alongside him to create the presentation that he was going to use around the globe to convince people to give to this cause, to donate to that. We were a listener supported station to, to see this vision through. And that all came about because I was doing one thing that virtually nobody else I worked with was doing. And that was taking on this sort of lifelong learning mindset. For me personally, on after that, the years after that, I mean, I used to be the type of person that could not have imagined, I know you can appreciate this, 
not working for another company. I, I couldn't imagine at one point in my life not getting a paycheck every other Friday and not having vacation days and health benefits. And I saw that as security. Well, finally, you know, it was taken away from me yet again in 2013, a month before my podcast was to launch. And that was the push, the shove that I needed to go out on my own. But had I not read the books I read, particularly about mindset, you know, like Carol Dweck and books from people like Dan Miller, 48 Days to the Work You Love, I wouldn't have been mentally prepared to, to do that. I wouldn't have been brave enough to do that. It was because the books I read that I was even in a place where I could even attempt that because just a few years before that, the thought of going out on my own was terrifying. I love that story. And I love that there's this other piece that I'm realizing here is it's not just the information that you are picking up and contemplating or internalizing and either using immediately or holding off for future use. There's this other thing going on, which is that you are training your mind to think that you are as yeah. a as a reader you are doing heavy lifting and the books are your barbells right in a <laughs> right. sense that's right? a great way to put it i love it and so it's that even if it's not a book that you you know and and we can debate the whole well do you finish bad books i don't know i think sometimes finishing it to have a complete thought and you know and then be able to judge it properly mm. it is one thing if it's real bad Go ahead and give it up. But that, yeah. I don't know. You can weigh in if you want to on, on my takes there. But ultimately, that it's not about always the information. It's about the practice and the consistent habit. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I'm all about, you know, setting aside a book that's not doing it for you. I think to force yourself to finish it when you're not getting anything out of it or you're not enjoying it is a waste of time. And also, secondarily, or, or connected to that, you can get a lot out of a book. And consider yourself having finished it, even though out of, say, 20 chapters, you read 12. Mm. Um, the point is to identify going into a book what it is you want to get out of that book. Once you've gotten out of that book, and we're talking nonfiction here, of course. Once you've got out, out of that book what you intended to get out of it and wanted to get out of it, set that book down. In, in my book, you can consider that. You can call that finished. You read the parts you needed, oftentimes with nonfiction. We don't have to start at chapter one, right? We can look at the table of contents and go, oh, there's four chapters, in, not necessarily in succession, that, uh, that, that really gravitate or, 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 or are geared toward me right now, and I gravitate towards. So let me start with those four. That's not unusual when it comes to nonfiction, and it's okay to read that way, and you get what you needed, and then go on to the next thing. That's totally, I mean, maybe that's not what most authors would tell you, but this author will tell you that's totally fine. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and you like me have probably discovered over time that there are many books where it could have been probably half the length <laughs> yeah. and still yeah. gotten the point across just as well. And right. <laughs> you know, so so speed reading can come into play for sure, which let's get let's get into that in a second. But before that, I want to go in a little bit further into if we've created the habit, if we're consistently reading, if we're putting in the time but we're not i'm going to i'm going to keep going with this workout metaphor if we're not seeing the gains that we want to see per se in other words we're not getting as much out of the reading as we want to what are some of the ways that we can absorb more and engage more with the material hmm. there's a, a few tips in particular that that i love here and one of them i've only been implementing for gosh maybe a year or two and it's changed the way I take notes when I read. Eric, I don't know how you do that, but I used to 
read and take notes as I went along, which I didn't realize at the time, but really was greatly interrupting the flow. And so I would read a paragraph, maybe take some notes, read another couple of paragraphs, take some notes. That also takes a really long time to read a book that way. And it can become a bit of a slog, honestly. And so what I do now is I force myself, I'm still you know, learning how to do this and do it better, but I kind of force myself to read at least a full section, if not an entire chapter, only making simple marks or highlights or underlines along the way. And only upon completing that chapter, say, allowing myself to then in a different block of time in another Pomodoro session, do nothing but take notes. And so it's just reading in one sitting and it's just note taking in another. So those marks might be an asterisk or a star for you know something important that I definitely want to dig into uh, more fully in, in my notes. Uh, maybe a cue for a quote that I think is kind of pithy or, you know, the author said something in a really uh, creative way that I want to remember or maybe use in a future talk or something. And maybe a question mark for uh, something that maybe I, I don't understand or I'm not even sure I agree with, for example. Those might be just, just the three simple marks I use and just that. Another technique I've used for a couple of years, I first started this when I began reading uh, Brendan Burchard's book, uh, High Performance Habits. I had the audio book, but I ordered the physical book. And I sat down with the physical book. And I think it was part of my book club where we talked about this idea. Uh, I can't remember who came up with it, if it was me or somebody else. But I sat down with Brendan's physical book, turned on the audio book at like one and a half or 1.75 or two times speed. So Brendan's reading it to him. We can, you know, we can comprehend and listen far faster often oh, yeah. than we can, we can read. And so, but I'm following along in the physical book as he's reading it uh, to me. I've done that with Ray Dalio's huge book called Principle. It's a huge, like, I don't know, 600 page book or something like that. I I let Ray read it to me really, really fast as I follow along. And that only allows me because I'm hearing it so, so fast at such a high speed. I only have time to make those simple markings that I talked about a moment ago, right? That's about all I got time to do. But then when the chapter ends, I stop it. And that's when I sit down and carve out time to take notes on what I've just heard on what I've just seen. So those two mediums combined simultaneously has been huge for me when it comes to retention and uh, comprehension, both. And the last thing I would say on that, when the opportunity presents itself, is consider teaching the material. It works best when combined with one of those other ideas I talked about, the way you take notes or combining two mediums. But um, you could teach the material to one person, uh, a coworker, or in a meeting to staff, or at a book club, say, or maybe, you know, a lunch and learn to your chamber of commerce or something. That teaching it forces you to a synthesized material and really break it down in its simplest form. And that act of teaching will really help you ingrain the material at the same time. Yeah. It's like having a deadline that you've got to cram for and really <laughs> comprehend it, right. To then present yeah. it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I love that. And and I think that then what I'm picking up from, from the different angles, you've kind of turned this around and looked at it from, I think that what we're saying here is that doing a first pass is not a bad idea to, to engage once and mm. to, you know, make notes, make marks, if you will, to come back then around and see what grabbed you the first time and take a little bit longer to craft or pull notes out literally into a, mm. a digital means or an analog means for that matter. I love all, all of those things, you know, and, and again, if Kindle or digital reading works best for you or audio works best for you, Great. 
If physical books work best for you, that's my personal preference. I've learned over time. I, I, I just engage with a physical book faster. I can read a physical book faster than I can a, mm-hmm. reading a computer screen for some reason. And I think, you know, you may know more about this than me, but I'm fairly certain I've heard at times from quote science that, uh, mm-hmm. retention is easier or, or better with a physical book. I'm not entirely certain of that, but that doesn't mean that it's that, that digital books don't have their place, especially if we're talking multiple passes. I've never heard of the whole listening to the audiobook while holding the physical book. Uh, <laughs> but I think that's fascinating. I would love to try that for sure. Yeah, I've done that with a few books. There were, there was a book I remembered hearing about while I was traveling and the name escapes me now, but uh, I was traveling. And so I instantly bought the audiobook so I could listen to it on the plane. I got about three fourths of the way through it on the flight. And then when I got home, I ordered the physical book. When that arrived, I started the audiobook over and did that technique following along as the author read it to me uh, on, uh, on high speed and really got out a, a lot out of the book that way, but apparently not enough to remember the title and the author's name. But anyway. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, 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 and this kind of goes into you talked about Brendan's book and mm. speeding it up a little bit so that you could go faster because again, we can retain more and and read faster than we think we can. What are some of the other techniques in terms of speed reading that you would have as a suggestion for somebody who's never tried it before? Yeah, we've got a chapter in the book. I say we because Jesse is uh, my co-author is the true expert on the specific topic of, of speed reading. But we've got a chapter in here called "Double or Triple Your Reading Speed in Minutes," and we walk through. Uh, first, first of all, we make the case for speed reading and that it's not a farce. There are people that actually do this and, and comprehend and retain what they read. But a couple of the techniques we've already talked about, and that's prepare your environment. I talked a bit about that. You know, reading in short blocks of time. We talked a bit about. And we spend some time in the book talking about guiding your reading and using a pointer and that sort of thing and making sure that you're not literally, and we do this oftentimes because this is how we were taught as kids, you know, this thing called sub-vocalization. As kids, we were taught to sound out the words and to read aloud. And then we become adults. And if you're like me, when you read a book silently to yourself, oftentimes, maybe it's the author's voice, maybe it's your own voice, you're listening in your brain to every single word sound, sounded out. And you can't do that and expect to be able to speed read. So something we talk about called guiding your reading and then another method called the hop method help you kind of overcome this sub vocalization. But in both those methods, you're, you're basically training yourself not to read every single word. Now, related to that is something we call skimming, which is what it is. It's literally skimming the material. And in that situation, that's where you're, say, starting with the table of contents, familiarizing yourself with the contents of the book, reading maybe the introduction and conclusion and then picking you the chapters you want to start with. Maybe that's chapter one. Maybe it isn't based on title and what grabs you and read the headings, read the subheadings from beginning to end of the chapter and familiarize yourself with the points, the author with, with whatever he or she is making. And then go back to the beginning of the chapter and now read the first sentence of each paragraph and the last sentence of each paragraph. And by doing that, and again, this is nonfiction. Now, we're not talking about fiction here. This is not going to work there, obviously. But most nonfiction books, when you skim them that way, that's another example of, of making a pass. You know, we talked earlier about reading the whole chapter and then in another pass taking notes. This would be a single pass where you just want to really familiarize yourself with the material, uh, know what the chapter is about. And just by reading those first and last sentences of each paragraph, in most cases, you're going to walk away with the meat of what the author has had to serve you in that chapter and not lose 
a lot of what's there in the process. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. And I can say that once I, I, I was kind of a speed reader, even though I was still sub vocalizing in my head. Once I got the concept, once I had heard of the concept, I, I should say, of sub vocalizing and realized that I was doing it, mm. I said to myself, <laughs> which is ironic because we're talking about sub vocalizing, um, <laughs> try to read without making the noise in your head. Yes. And once I started to understand what that meant, I was able to suddenly just look at a group of words in the same way that you know what you're looking at. Like you can, uh, here's an example. Here's a, here is a, I don't think this is a metaphor literally, but I think it's an example that we don't, as we're driving, see a stop sign and read the word in our head as stop. We just know what the sign means and we go with it in the same way that we see a word or a group of words and we can collectively run our eyes across those words and know what it says. Hmm. And so that if anybody's not fully familiar with sub vocalizing or, or what that means, that's, that's the quickest, easiest example I can give is, is, you know, you're, you're making the noises. Yeah. And so if you can get to that point or start to try to practice interpretation, letting your brain interpret the symbols of the words (laughs) instead of reading it, like you're read, like I am talking right now. Don't read it like that. Read it with your brain, not your mm. reading voice. I don't well know. Said. That's anyway, I'm rambling a little bit now, but I'm trying to get that point across <laughs> that it, it was like a hiccup for me that once it was achieved, I was able to suddenly just scream down pages. And <laughs> that's awesome. It was crazy. I'm like, oh my gosh. And, and then I would flip back and I'd read it slow on purpose as a kind mm. of second pass. And I'd say, no, I understood it. I understood it the first time, speed reading it. Wow. It's amazing. And I'm like, oh, it's a superpower. It's unlocked. <laughs> That's what it feels like. Totally. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so it feels like you're suddenly the flash. Yeah. <laughs> Man, there's so much more we can talk about. So I, I think what I want to land on here, though, is that one, there is a power to reading and you should be doing it. And mm. you need to, if you've given up on it, figure out, I think, it, that if there's a way for audio or different versions of books or somehow, in other words, pick the medium that's going to work best for you. If it's audio, go with it. If it's physical book or digital book, go with it, but don't give up, get back into it, go back to it and come back around to some of the tips that we've talked about in terms of making it a habit or absorbing it differently or better or blocking the timeout or putting on noise canceling headphones. That's something that everybody should be used to by now over the past, you know, few years here and definitely check out focus. at will. I have been a long time. I've got, I'm a lifetime user. I should say of focus. Mm. at will. I also use brain FM. That's a whole other different thing. And those will get your brain into reading brain mode much quicker. Mm. If you select that option, what else am I forgetting? Somebody that's new or, a returning new reader that feels overwhelmed. You said the thing about, you know, always have your next book ready. I say, don't hesitate. Well, give me your opinion on this. Maybe have more than one book that you're reading. Cause sometimes you're not in the mood for one and it, the right one or the one that you're currently doing and you've got your next one, but maybe for me, like for me, I'll have two or three at a time and mm. whatever mood I'm in, then at least it's like, okay, I'm jumping into the next one, but I might be, training myself out of that by accident, (laughs) by not, you know, sticking with the next one and finishing it. I don't know. Mm. 
You know, I go back and forth if I'm being completely honest. There are periods of time where I'm reading one book at a time pretty diligently. Uh, but occasionally I'll have a book recommended to me. Uh, one area of study that I, I will never get tired of reading about is uh, the um, discipline of, of public speaking and presenting. And I recently had the book recommended to me, Do You Talk Funny, about implementing humor into your public speaking, which is something that I, I want to get better at and, and not be um, so terrible at like I am right now. And so that's a book that I'm, you know, I've started and I'm reading in those little pockets of time when I'm not reading for the next podcast interview, you know, and I like to do that occasionally. I mentioned reading Ray Dalio's book, Principles. That's taken a while, uh, but that's a book my mastermind and I tackled. And so I would read little bits of that in pockets of reading time that I had sort of left over from reading the other book that I was truly focused on. I read Tiny Habit uh, by Dr. B.J. Fogg uh, that way. Actually, I read it once for the show because he was on the show, but then I'm rereading it now for uh, Mastermind Group I'm in. Uh, that's our current book. And I'll read that book in just little pockets of time when I feel like I've done enough of the other reading that I've planned to do for the show or what have you. So I, I go back and forth. I, I don't think there's any one necessarily right way uh, or that there's any sort of negative consequences, per se, of having multiple books going at the same time. But if you find that you're struggling with finishing any of those books, or, or if finishing any of those books is taking you longer than you would like for it to take, then you probably need to hunker down and really put most of your focus on one of those books. And if, like me, you occasionally peek at that other one and do a little reading there, that's fine. But maybe maybe the focus needs to be on one of them and actually, you know, fin you know, finishing it to the extent that you want to. Yeah, definitely great tips there. I would love to, since I know that this episode is coming out in advance of the book, point people to one where they can find out more about it two, mm. pre-order it. And then three, you've got a ton of bonuses. Yeah, well, thank you for letting me chat about that just a bit, Eric. I really appreciate it. Uh, for those who maybe aren't sure if this is something for them or not, you can sort of kick the tires. You can download the introduction in the first chapter for free at readtoleadbook.com. If you're ready to, to jump in, then uh, you can pre-order it there, as you said, Eric, for 40% off. Now, there's only one of a half a dozen retailers right now offering the book for 40% off. And that's our publisher, Baker Books. So you see all the retailer options when you go to readtoleadbook.com. But if you choose Baker, you get it at 40% off. Then you come back to the site and click step number two there on the page. And that's where you fill in your information to get your $500 in bonuses, which includes a four-module course that Jesse and I have put together that helps you implement some of the things we're talking about, like speed reading and other things. Uh, you get the audiobook for free. A lot of people being a podcaster have asked me about the, are you doing an audiobook? It's already recorded, but don't buy the audiobook unless you're listening to this a year from now. <laughs> buy, the, buy the physical book because you're going to get the audiobook for free. If, if you don't need the physical book, then give that to a friend. There's a couple of other bonus downloadable resources. A uh, bonus chapter that I wrote that I didn't get finished in time to put into the book called Growing the Best Version of You. And then when you order from Baker, uh, which is, again, the 40% off option right now, you also get an autographed book plate. So, hey, that's cool, too. So you get all that stuff, $500 worth of stuff, 40% off the book, readtoleadbook.com. you got to do that before August 31st. Okay. So this is out probably, again, we're recording this well in advance of that date. As you are hearing this, you know that you're hearing this most likely before that date if you are one of the faithful subscribers to the show. Mm -hmm. So you've got time. 
go ahead and go to readtoleadbook.com. I've linked it up in the show notes. I have linked up Read to Lead, the podcast in the show notes as well. Jeff, great talking with you. This book is going to do a lot of people a lot of good and get them either started or back into a powerful reading habit. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for having me, Eric. I've always wanted to be on the show, and I'm so thankful to have the opportunity. I really appreciate it. Well, we made it happen, and you know what? We will do it again. At some point, we'll figure <laughs> out, and we won't wait this long. So, <laughs> Awesome. I'm all in. Well, that's another podcast crossed off your listening to-do list. I hope that you enjoyed this conversation with Jeff Brown. I know that I loved talking with Jeff. It was great to see him virtually. Hope to see him again soon in person. And I hope that you picked up some tips here about even if you are a reader already, that you're going to be able to read better, read faster, get into and get more out of the books you're reading. Not only that, but don't forget to try out Brain FM at beyondthetodolist.com slash Brain FM. I swear by this tool, it helps me focus doing work. It helps me focus while reading, get more out of my reading. I even use it for taking naps, meditation prep. You're going to love it. Again, beyondthetodolist.com slash Brain FM. If you know somebody who needs to hear this conversation with Jeff Brown, would you do me the favor of sharing it with that person? Hit that share button in your podcast player app of choice or hit the share button over in the show notes for this episode at beyondthetodolist.com. Thanks again for sharing. Thanks for listening. And I will see you next episode.